Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we are studying Joel 2. Um, in Joel 1, uh, we had read of the um, description, the prophet's description of the terrible, terrible plague of locusts that had befallen the people of Israel and the horrific consequences that it had at all levels of the society. Uh, and we also learned how Joel beseeched all of the classes of the society, everyone to get together, everyone to pray, everyone to fast, and everyone to come to God. And we also emphasized how notable it was that Joel refused to, the prophet refused to blame any one particular group, he refused to blame any one particular sin, and he didn't all he said was that everyone should come together and fast before God. So the key key ideas were in response to a natural disaster. Number one, don't blame. Don't point your fingers at this cause or that cause. But rather, it should be a time for unity among the people, unity among the classes, and a time for everyone to come before God. We will continue seeing that same theme now in chapter 2 with more graphic descriptions of destruction but also the description of the result, what happens when people do come together before God, and what happens when they truly take the message of the disaster to heart, and how God will come back, and, and how the, um, the salvation, if you, if you will, will, will come. Uh, this is Saul Weiner with Those for Your Podcast, and let's begin with uh, verse 1 of chapter 2 in the book of Joel. Tiku shofar b'tzion vihari'u bihar kochi. Blow a shofar, a horn, a ram's horn in Zion, and blow it loudly on my holy mountain. Your gazu kol yoshve so that all of the residents of the land, everyone, all the citizens, shall shake and tremble with fear. because the day of God has come. Kikarov, it is close. The day, the day of God, which can refer to the the terrible suffering that's going on. The day that God makes um. Such uh, disasters happen, but also the day of God, the day for him to come back is coming soon too as well. Yom Choshech Va'afela, it is a day of darkness and a day of gloom. Yom Anon Va'afela, a day of clouds, a day of dense dark clouds. Kishachar Parush al Heharim, like, um, like, uh, a, a, um, a, uh, 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 like dust. Uh, a cloud of dust that is spread over the mountains. Am ravatsum. It is a there's something coming upon us. Something coming upon us. In this case, it's the plague of locusts coming upon us. And here, Joel uses again that imagery of of another nation, a conquering nation coming in, and using that to describe this this locust plague, this plague of insects that's coming. Uh, but it also kind of the imagery that he's about to use in the next few verses of a of a, an invading army also leads one to believe that that Joel is trying to teach that this calamity that in currently is happening in the form of insects can also happen in many forms and that the and that the response to all of such calamities should be returning back to God so, and this also leads some commentaries to assume that this entire idea of a of a uh, locust plague is just um, a metaphor, and what Joel is actually warning the people is of armies that are about to attack. Uh, 
uh, and we discussed that a little bit in verse one. Um, I'm going to assume that 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 we'll take Joel's words for what he says, which is that it is an actual locust plague. Um, but I just wanted to point that out. So it's an am I'm in the middle of verse two. Am Ravavilatsum. It is a great and powerful nation. Kamohuloniyam in Olam. There has never been such a nation ever in the history of the world. And there never will be. Throughout all of the years and all of the ages, there will never be a plague of locusts as bad as this one, says Joel. If Anav before it, the, the, um, it, it, it burns like a fire, or it has burnt like a fire. Behind it, it burns like a uh, flames. Kigan Eden Haaretz Lifanov, the land was green and beautiful before it came, Vi'acharov Midbar Shimama, and after it, it leaves only desolation. This description is very apt for a plague of locusts. Again, uh, hinting, again, leading us to believe that he's actually talking about locusts and just comparing it to an invading army. It does not leave any refugees behind. It comes over the field, consumes everything, and leaves nothing behind. It looks almost like a horde of, uh, of horses galloping. And they rush and gallop forward like rushing horses. Like a clatter of chariots, eh? the sound and noise of chariots rushing over the tops of the mountains. They dance um, like the sound of a like the sound of flames of fire. It eats the straw, it eats all of the um, the um, the uh, vegetation. Ka'am atsum, like a powerful nation, like a powerful nation. Again, he's comparing it to ki'am atsum, like a powerful nation. It wages war. From before this, nations are, are tremble and are afraid. All faces have gathered this gray and, and sorrowful appearance. People are just just awed and dismayed in a terrible, terrible way. Like they, they rush like powerful warriors. And they, and they over the walls and climb over the walls. Imagine a swarm of insects climbing over the walls. Each one is going on his way. There's paths, different paths of locusts and insects following this path and that path. It's the, the, um, the uh, commentaries have a difficult time translating this word veloya abetun. Um, uh, the only uh, comparison some compare it to is the word havetavitenu, which means uh, like alone or a. But it's hard, uh, you know, like uh, when one person lends to someone else. But how that fits into this context is hard. So uh, many, um, many commentaries have a difficult time. What does this mean that their paths lo abetun? They do not. So some assume that it means they do not cross paths. Each one has its own place, rather than like when one borrows and lends to another, one gives to someone else his path. But here is saying lo abetun or They do not take. So there's streams of locusts here. There's streams of locusts there. Each one marching on its way on its path of destruction. They don't push each other. Each one is strong and powerful. They don't. You'd think that maybe the insects would also consume each other and somehow mitigate the disaster, but no, each one is strong and powerful in his own way. Each one goes on his own path. And if they pass by an obstacle, 
um, that they fall into, uh, nothing happens to them. As you can imagine, nothing happens to an insect. They just keep on rolling. Nothing stops them. They rush up, the, they climb up the walls, they climb over the walls. They climb into the houses. So not only do they eat the, 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 the fields, they eat the food in people's houses. They, they climb into the windows. They sneak in like, like, like thieves in the night. They sneak into the windows and crawl through the houses and eat the food that people who tried to hide from them in their homes. The fun of rugs of Eretz, in front of them the land shakes, Rashushamayim, heaven shakes, Shemen Viyoreach Kadaru. The sun and the moon have been darkened by the swarms. You look up at the sun and you see swarms, and look up at the moon at night and you see swarms, Vichochavim Asfunagham, and the and the stars have taken to themselves their glow. Even the stars you look at the sky is, is blackened by the swarms of insects. And God um, puts His voice, makes His voice, His sound of roaring in front of His armies. The camps of God's wrath are great and tremendous. Those that do what God commanded, which in this case, unfortunately and horrendously, is destruction, they are strong and powerful. Because the day of God, in this case, of course, it means the terrible, terrible day of punishment of God is a great, great not in a good way, but a great, powerful, benorah an awful, awfully terrible, and who can last through such a thing? And also now, so after this horrendous description, Joel comes back to what do we do about this? Noam Adonai says, God, what is God's message? Says the prophet to the people, Shuvu adai b'chol levavchem. Return to me with all of your hearts. Uvitzom uvavachi uvimispeid. Fasting, crying, and 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 mispeid is and lament. <laughs> this is crucial, and Joel, Joel, the prophet Joel is going to emphasize this with your heart. Truthfully, really look inside your heart. Find how you can return to God. He leaves it up to the people to look into themselves and realize what improvements they need to make. Inside your heart, look inside. This is verse 13. Tear open your hearts. Don't just tear your clothes. Don't do outer outer um, um, uh, gestures which mean nothing, which are meaningless, but rather tear open your hearts. Find inside your heart what it is. And Joel very carefully doesn't tell us what is wrong. He doesn't go to the people and say, you did this wrong, you did that wrong, you need to repent for this, you need to repent for that. But no, he tells the people themselves, look inside your own hearts and find what it is that you should do. And you should return to God. Why? Because he is a merciful God. This is a powerful thing to say when people are suffering so much. What do you mean he's a merciful God? Look at what's going around us. But no, he's telling us to have faith anyway. Look inside your hearts. Find how to improve. Because God is merciful. He is long to anger. He is full of kindness. And he will change his path. He will change his mind, change his path from the evil, from the bad, and go towards the good. If me, if you do return to him, who knows, maybe he will change his mind if we all work together on this. And after this, somehow, somehow, he will leave behind a blessing. 
somehow this will turn into a blessing. And then maybe one day there will again be sacrifices um, of of meal offerings. This is talking about mincha, not animals. Mincha, the meal, there will be more grain for us to bring and there will be more wine for us to bring to celebrate in front of God. Again, he talks about the plan. This is verse 15. Blow a horn in, blow the shofar, the haram's horn in Zion. Set aside a time for fasting. Call a, a get-together. Call an assembly. Call a get-together for everyone to get together. Verse 16. Gather the entire nation. Set aside the entire congregation. You have to gather the elders, the leaders, and also gather the young ones, the children, and the little babies. Even the, the, the groom should come out of his room, and the bride from her, from her wedding canopy. Everyone needs to cooperate, everyone from the leadership to the top to the bottom. 17 verse, even those that are in the temple, the holy temple, that are in front of the altar, in front of the, the, um, of the um, uh, holy places in the temple, the Kohanim should join in the crying. Those that serve God in the temple, and they should say as follows the following prayer. God, have mercy on your nation. Don't allow your nation, the nation that is your inheritance, the people that are here to serve you, will be impoverished to the extent that we are so ashamed, that other nations will then rule over us because we have lost everything. Why should other nations say, where is their God? They are here to bring this message of God to the world. That is their job. <coughs> Who are they? They're just destroyed. They're impoverished. They're desperate. Other nations will rule over them. Please, God, don't allow this to happen. And what will happen? God will become um, awakened uh, and aroused uh, in, on behalf of his land. And he will have mercy on his nation. If everyone together, from the Zikainim to the children, from the priestly caste from the Kohanim to the non-priests, everyone together pray, prays together, everyone looks into their heart and improves, that's what God is going to look for, and then He will bring about the following. I'm reading verse 19. God will answer and say to His nation, I will send to you grain and wine and oil, and I will, um, and you will be satisfied with what I am going to give you. I will not make you an embarrassment among the nations. You will not be an impoverished nation, but you will be. The Atatsifoni and the and the Tsifoni, which here seems like the northerner, it sounds like uh, it's some assume this is referring to the nation coming from the north, but based on the context of the rest of this verse, it seems to be referring to the locust, which may have come from the north, which is unusual because usually locust plagues in Israel come from the south, from Africa. But God says, I will push them away from you. And I will throw it into, push it into a, a dry land, a ushimama, and a desolate land. It's, it's um, at the front of it, I will send to the eastern sea. And the end of it, to the, the faraway, faraway sea. And the stench 
of the dead and rotting insects will will go up in the air and and the foul smell will rise in the air because God will do great things. Don't be afraid in the land. This is God speaking to the land. Happiness will come back. Joy will come back. The same, same language because God does great things. Don't worry, you animals of the field. The... Um, the pastures of the fields and the um, grass that grows in the fields will come back. Trees will once again bear fruit. The strength of the figs and the grape trees and vines will come back. And the people of Zion, you will once again be able to rejoice and be happy with God. Because God has given you the teacher, the teacher to teach you righteousness. There's many interpretations of this verse, of this phrase here, I'm going to translate tzedakah the same way I've been translating it until now throughout this podcast. Tzedakah means righteousness, to teach you the right way. I have given you a teacher to teach you the right way. And fascinatingly, Joel never actually says this is the right way, other than to say to return to God. He tells the people, look inside your hearts, find the right way, you know what it is. You know the improvements you should make. And and one thing that is, is so important to that is the idea of unity. And he, God will once again bring back the rain. Um, remember that, as we saw in chapter 1, that not only was there locusts, there was also drought, there was also fire. Um, and the granaries will once again be filled with grain. Veheshiku hayikavim tiroshvi itzar, and the um, and the uh, places where you store wine and oil are going to overflow once again. Heshiku uh, from a language, um, they'll, they'll overflow so much that one will kiss or meet the other. and I'll I will pay you back for all of those years. that those four species of insect eight I will pay you back. In um, more than what they ate, that great army that I sent to you. Again, this makes it clear that this army that he has been referring to, even though it sounded like he was referring to a human army, he, was, he explicitly states here that 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 the chel, the army of God that he was referring to, was referring to the the locusts and the insects. And you shall eat. Um, food and be satisfied. And you will praise God's name. That God has done with you so wondrously. He act. He dealt with you so wondrously by giving you back the bounty. And my nation will not be embarrassed forever. And you will know that God, I am with you. And I am God, your God. There is none like me. Again, the same words, and my nation will never be embarrassed. Thank you so much for listening and paying attention to Joel 2 and studying it with us. Looking forward to studying the last two chapters, 3 and 4 of Joel. Have a wonderful day.